let's get into the sermon. Uh, today's sermon, I've entitled it, Waiting. Yep, that's waiting. Now, 2020, by, by now, by now, it's, uh, it's all waiting game, right? Every, everything that we are thinking about, the correct answer is <laughs> still waiting, right? For example, when will the numbers go down? <laughs> waiting, right? When will we go back to normal? Waiting. When can church come back again and all of you guys get out from your living rooms and come into this sanctuary? We are waiting. For me, when can we go and physically move into Sungai Bulo, you know, itself? Also waiting. Now, I know for many of us, normal, don't know what normal, everybody is kind of on the knife edge and we are, we are waiting for life to go back to normal. Now, we are not the only ones who spend a long time waiting. The people of God spent a long time waiting. They waited a long time for Messiah to come. And it's Christmas, right? It's Christmas. And this year, uh, we, 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 we made it a point from the pulpit. We were going to take you on this journey from Haggai to Nehemiah to Ezra and then Zechariah. We just ended Zechariah last week of November. We are here now after one whole year of learning about about the coming, the homecoming, the people of God coming home from Babylon, right? And then they track all the way back to the Levant, right? To Judea. And they, are, they, are, they rebuilt uh, uh, the temple. They rebuilt the walls. They have reestablished everything. They have heard the word of God. And now they are waiting for Messiah. They are waiting for Messiah. So our whole year's worth of pulpit preaching ended last, last week of, 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 uh, of November, kind of like the, 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 the series ended with Zechariah, and now we are waiting. Waiting for what? They were waiting for Messiah to come. And they don't know when Messiah is going to come. They're just waiting. Now, this month is Christmas month. Christmas month is Messiah comes. For us, we just have to wait three weeks, four weeks, and then Mes four weeks, Messiah comes, right? Something like that when it comes to pulpit. But for them, you know how many four, they have to wait 400 years, my friends. 400 years. But they didn't know they were going to wait 400 years. So today, I want to jump a bit into that 400 years. Right, which, which is not covered by the Bible, you know, uh, Malachi and then one page, New Testament, Matthew chapter 1. It seems like the time just goes boop like that in one page, right? We erase 400 years. Today, I want to help us to know what kind of Messiah we are expecting and then to go a bit into, the, into what happened in those 400 years while we waited, while the people of God waited for their Saviour to come. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. This messenger is John the Baptist, right? And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant, this is a different messenger now, the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Meaning the one who's going to be bringing the gospel. Behold, he is coming says the Lord of hosts. Malachi, second last chapter, right? Four chapters only. This word is preparing the people of God. Get ready. It will come. Habakkuk 2, verse 3. 
for still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. Not, not it will not tell a lie, right? It will not like barring, it will not chill out, right? Um, it will not chill out. It will hasten to the end. If it seems slow, wait for it. Everybody say, wait for it. Somebody go on to the live chat and type there, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it, right? If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Friends, you and I know that we are, we, we are prone to impatience when what God says, I am hastening to the end, we feel as delay. We feel it as delay. But God is hastening it to the end. He told us it's not lying down somewhere, taking a, taking a siesta. It's hastening to the end. But for us, right now, where we are, we wait for it. We are waiting. But it feels like a delay. Right? Today, as part of, uh, of how I'm going to structure today's word, I'm going to ask us three questions. The three questions build on each other. Okay? So it's not so much three points, but I'm going to provoke you with three questions and one point at the very end of this message. The first question is this. Friends, what kind of Messiah are you waiting for? We are two weeks away from Christmas, right? To, to less than two weeks now, right? What kind of Messiah are you waiting for this Christmas? What kind of Messiah were they, the people of God, waiting for when they went through 400 years? And then the next question is this. Doesn't that look like Messiah? Or doesn't that look like Messiah? Doesn't he look like Messiah? Doesn't she look like Messiah? Right? We're going to ask ourselves that question and we'll land on this. Will we ever, will we ever go back to the good old days? What happened to the good old days? When we could fill the hall, 1,200 people, what happened to the good old days? When we could go out, have nice big parties together, 100 packs in one place, what happened to the good old days? The days of David, the days of Solomon, when we had a king ruling, defeat the enemy, cleanse the temple, you know? Let's get back, right? We all want to go back to the good old days. What happened to them? Will we ever get them back? First question, what kind of Messiah are you looking for? What kind of Messiah are you waiting for? You know, friends, I, this first chunk, I'm going to put a lot of Bible underneath it, okay? So if you bear with me, I'm going to put something like maybe 10 verses up, you know, and I'm going to take you through one. But I won't belabor each point. I'm just going to zip through it. But this is so that everything, you know what? There's no point if we get up here and whatever we say has no authority unless it's got Bible under it. So I'm going to put some Bible under it. When I ask this question, what kind of Messiah was Israel waiting for? This is the kind of Messiah that they had some clues, right? They had clues. The clues were in the Old Testament. Now, they're standing on the edge of 400 years. They don't know it's 400 years. It could be tomorrow for all they knew. It could be in next year. It could be one, in one year or in five years or in ten. It turned out to be 400. But one thing they did know, Messiah would build God's house. 2 Samuel chapter 7, this is God's promise to King David. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. This is one of those anchoring, but you wanna, ever want to know how Old Testament people thought about Messiah? 2 Samuel chapter 7, right? He will build a house. Now, specifically, this was fulfilled by Solomon because he built 
the house, right? In one generation, he built the house. But already we have a blueprint of what Messiah would do. On a deeper level, Messiah will come and the throne that lasts forever. That wasn't, that wasn't Solomon's throne, right? So some of this refers to Solomon. Some of it extends beyond Solomon. So, so one thing we know, Messiah will build God's house. Next thing we got to know, Messiah will suffer. Now friends, I don't know if you, if you enjoy having a hero who suffers, especially if you're not used to this whole Christian thing and you've been invited by your friends to jump onto a, to online church and you're thinking, huh, why you, why you worship hero suffer one? I thought hero must be very gang, must be very strong, must be very powerful, must be very mighty. Don't worry, we'll get to that. But one thing about the Jewish Messiah, Messiah will suffer. Isaiah 53, famous verse if you're a Christian, right? Surely he has born our griefs and our sorrows. He was stricken, afflicted, smitten, pierced, crushed, chastised, wounded. For who? For us. So one of the things in the Jewish person's mindset, right, at the end of the Old Testament, now they've come home, they're waiting for Messiah. One of the things is he must suffer. But you know what? Most of the time, they weren't expecting him to suffer. Most of the, of the time, they were expecting Messiah to be mighty and victorious because there were also many verses that talk about Messiah's might and victory. Like this Psalm, Psalm 45, right? You are most handsome, oh, most handsome some more. Right? Like, of course, win battles, splendor, majesty. In your majesty, you will ride out victoriously and handsome some more. This guy can't lose, right? And then the scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of uprightness, right? So he is not just a handsome man. He is not just a victorious man. He is, not, he is also a righteous man, right? Wow, like his, his, his Venn diagram is like overlap. Everything overlap, right? Maximum winner, right, this guy. So, so and in many ways, that's what the expectation for Messiah was like. They were expecting a winner, like the jock in, in, in your high school movie, you know? They were expecting the, the champion, the champion to, to roll up with his red carpet, celebrity treatment, everything, everybody loving him maximum, you know? And then he's like, yeah, 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 you know? They were expecting Messiah to ride in victoriously, right? I won't belabor this. Let's move on. They were expecting Messiah to judge righteously. So he wouldn't just be a winner. He would be a good man, right? May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Wow, he sounds... You know who this, what this recalls? It recalls Solomon when he had to judge the case of the two women and the baby, right? Um, wow, it's like, wow, don't we want to go back to those good old days, right? So, Messiah will judge righteously. And not just that, Messiah will be spirit-powered. That's the expectation. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him. Wow, you know if you're an Old Testament guy and you hear a word like this, Messiah will have the Spirit of the Lord rest on him. It, you know who it's going to remind you of? Samson, right? It reminds you of Samson. The Spirit of the Lord fell on him, supernatural strength, and then he could do one, amazing things. You think of some of the other judges when the Spirit of the Lord fell on Gideon, Spirit of the Lord fell on Othniel, a, a, a few other ones, right? And so, so you, you, you think, even Saul, Spirit of the Lord fell on Saul and Saul prophesied, right? This is Saul the king, right? And then Spirit of the Lord left Saul, went to David. So it's like, wow, when Spirit of the Lord rests on this guy, it's 
big deal, man. It's like referencing all the big shots from the, from the history of, of God's people. Now, you've, now you're starting to get a sense. Now I'm going to pause here and ask you, what kind of Messiah are you waiting for? A mighty Messiah? Strong Messiah? St- like, like, like what kind of Saviour are you looking out into the world hoping would, would, would roll up into your life and bring about victory for, for, the, for the folks in, in Israel in that day? Let me give you a few more. And these few more are going to zero in on some real specifics. Here's one. Messiah will be born of a virgin. Wow. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. This is the Messiah. The vir- now, by the way, uh, you might know that, that the Hebrew word for virgin can go two ways. It can either be virgin as we know it, or it can just mean any young maiden. Okay, so let me dispel this one for you. In my view, this means a virgin virgin. Why? Because it is a sign. And the sign is, behold, the virgin shall conceive, which is meant to make you go, huh? How can? That's why it's a sign. You get that? Because if, if the prophecy goes, behold, the other meaning of the Hebrew word, behold, the, the, the young girl, the maiden shall conceive and bear a son, you're like, well, yeah, it's kind of like a redundancy, right? If the, if the young girl, if the maiden is going to bear a son, it's obvious that she shall conceive. But here it says, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, which is supposed to be the specific sign given. Something extraordinary is about to take place. So, so, you know, if next time if anybody says, oh, I heard that virgin may not be virgin, it may be young, uh, a young maiden, the Hebrew word, yes, the context, no. Okay, let's move on, right? She'll be born of a virgin, she'll be born in Bethlehem. Oh, Bethlehem Ephrata, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler of Israel. Small town, young girl, small town. But the Messiah is going to come through a young girl, in a small town, right? And here's the next one. Messiah will shepherd his people. That's right. Messiah will shepherd his people. Ezekiel 34, it says, I myself, God said, I myself will shepherd my sheep. And then he says, I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David. By the way, historically, by the time of this prophecy, David is long gone. David, so he's not talking about the, about the literal David, uh, uh, son of Jesse. He's talking about the lineage of David, right? But you know what's interesting about this, about this Ezekiel reference? All the references before that points to a man messiah. Now he's going like, oh really? Ah? Oh, let me scroll back, you know? And, 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 you, and you want to go back and look at the slides previously? Yes. All the previous slides points towards a man Messiah, a human Messiah. This Ezekiel 34 is a glimpse because he says, I myself will shepherd the people. And then he says, I will send you a shepherd from David, which means that God I myself and the shepherd, the Messiah, is going to be one guy. 
same guy. I know for us who experience Christianity backwards, we know Jesus as God. Then we discover, oh, people were waiting for him to be a saviour. So it's never questioned, come into our minds as a question, whether Messiah would be God himself. But for the Jews, standing on the edge of a 400-year wait that they don't know is going to happen, they weren't, it wasn't obvious without Ezekiel 34. It wasn't obvious. If for all intents and purposes, they'd be forgiven for expecting a, a, a man-messiah. Just that, a man-messiah, you know. But this next one is clear. If Ezekiel 34 needs a little bit of interpretation, then Isaiah 9 is clear. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. And I know to us, this is not a mind-blowing thing. No, we got mind-blown. Of course, He's God. No, it's not obvious that He's going to be God. But because of Isaiah 9 and a bit of Ezekiel 34, this should tell you, oh my goodness, Messiah is going to be God Himself. God Himself. So friends, friends, is your hope, is your hope at the end of 2020 resting on God Himself. What kind of Messiah are you waiting for? I know, I know because you and I are both waiting for the vaccine to be safe and then become publicly available and not too expensive so we don't die in order to stay alive, right? Yes, it's true. But what kind of Messiah are you waiting for? Is the vaccine the Messiah you're waiting for? Is, is the numbers dropping the Messiah you're waiting for? Is, is, a, is a new political regime the Messiah you're waiting for? I, I tell you, in a short while, I'll show you new political regimes is never the Messiah you're waiting for. If you're waiting for that to be your saviour, friend, look elsewhere. That's not going to save you. Not going to save you. But I know, I know, some days we look, we, we look at the papers and we think like, if, 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 if something could change in Malaysia, maybe a Messiah is needed. Let, let's wait. Let's see who can, who can be our Messiah. What kind of Messiah this Christmas are you waiting for? Let's say God Himself. God Himself. Now, it's easy to say God Himself. We all agree, we want God to be our Messiah. The next step is being able to recognize, recognize God and say, this is my Messiah. This is my Messiah. Because friends, you know what's your next question? Once you've settled and you say, that's it. God is my Messiah. God will be my Savior. Then the next thing you're asking is, hey, doesn't that look like God? Oh, doesn't that look like God? Oh, doesn't this look like God? And I want to take you for a little while into this 400 years of history. So in the first point, I put a lot of Bible beneath the sermon. This point, I'm going to put a bit of history, okay? So bear with me, a bit of a history buff, okay? But, but there, there are others who are better than me, okay? So I'm just going to show you uh, what happened. You imagine right now, I'm going to take you on a journey. Imagine right now, you are there when Malachi was prophesying. So you're a, you're a Jew, okay? You're in the Holy Land, and Malachi has just said, I'm dramatizing it, right? And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the hearts of the sons to the fathers. And if this doesn't happen, then I will strike the land with a curse. Full stop. Bang. 
and then nothing happened. And then you wait. That's you. You're standing there. You're waiting, right? What happens? Within your own generation, Alexander the Great will take over the land that you are living in. So politically, you thought that we moved from Babylon all the way to Jerusalem so that we can found our own nation state and so that we can be politically independent again. Land-wise, good deal. Politically, nothing changed. You know why? Because Alexander the Great took over everything and started a, series, a, a, a period in history uh, uh, which is known as Hellenization, which means that culturally, every indigenous culture started adopting Greek culture or Greek Macedonian culture as was for Alexander the Great. You see how huge his map is? Man, that is... Phenomenal, like not until the British Empire or, or, or the, Roman, the Roman Empire, then the British Empire, do you see a, a, a kind of like territory that looks like this, right? I show you Babylon, so you can see they move all the way back, but then in the end, gonna jaja again, right? And not just gonna jaja, gonna erase the erasure of their culture, okay? Now, Alexander's uh, 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 empire didn't last long, as all empires kind of like, probably don't last long when they're built on sand. And so this is what happened to it, right? In the next, in the next thing, you see that it broke up into many pieces. The green part beneath the word Jerusalem, the Ptolemaic kingdom. Strictly speaking, Jerusalem falls within that green territory. So it was governed by a satrap uh, uh, um, called Ptolemy, right? And then all the red part. Now I put a little note there on Parthia, okay? It's just to the east of, of Babylon. Parthia, you don't have to know anything. Just, just, just check it in your mind, bookmark, okay? I'll tell you a story about that later. All the red part is the Seleucid kingdom, right? And so over time, the Ptolemaic, the green and the red will, will tuck out a little bit and fight over the, the, the land that is Judea. Okay? So if you are a Jew and your children and their children and their children will be experiencing all of these political battles, right? So they'll be experiencing these battles because after a while, um, Alexander gave way to Ptolemy. Ptolemy gave way to, uh, to, to, um, to, to Antiochus, right? Antiochus the fourth, Epiphanes, right? Um, this is the guy who profaned the temple. Never mind, I won't go into detail, right? Um, but, but what you need to know is one regime changed to another. That regime changed to another, changed to another. And I'll tell you what the impact is for your people. We can go, can, can we go to camera, right? I'll tell you what the impact is for your people. For your people, it means that over the 400 years, your language is erased. Hebrew stopped being the lingua franca among your own people. It's like you're Hokkien, but these days, right? now everybody speaks the English, right? Okay, so that's what's happening, right? Nobody spoke Hebrew, everybody spoke Koine Greek, which is why the New Testament is written in Koine Greek, right? Now, and not just that, the Hebrew scriptures, you know, language is very important to the Hebrews, right? Hebrew scriptures had to be translated out of Hebrew into Greek text. That's why we got the translation called the Septuagint, okay, or the LXX for the geeks in this room, right? Okay, so, so you lost your speak, spoken language, you lost your scriptures in their original language, okay, and then after a while, especially during Antiochus' time, they started to ban Jewish worship. 
all together. So you are there, really gonna tekan, right? Really gonna oppress, and you're so pain every day. Your children and their children and their children and their children are all going like, why are we still under a foreign kingdom? Can there be a savior? What Messiah are we looking for? Come and tap out this Ptolemy. Come and tap out Antiochus. And you know what? It happened. Oh my gosh, no. Yes, yes, it happened. So I want to show you this slide. This guy, now, this slide has a bunch of would-be messiahs, right? I, I put with a dagger and a knife, right? Because they all did their work um, through the blood and uh, through... through through violence, right? Now, the first one, let's just hold on the first one. This guy, Judah Maccabee, okay? He, this guy, he fought against the, the military might of Antiochus, okay? And that's him. Now, everybody's waiting for Messiahs. A few things he will do. One, he will defeat the enemy. Did, did Judah Maccabee do that? Yes. And then, what will he do? He will establish the Jewish kingdom. Did he do that? Yes. In fact, in, in fact uh, uh, Judah Maccabee uh, uh, started a kingdom called the Hasmonean Kingdom, 103 years long. Uh. So, one, one, one quarter of their 400 years was under what they felt like, wow, we finally got our Messiah, you know. Cleansed the temple, he cleansed the temple. After Antiochus profaned the temple, he went in and cleansed the temple. I, I, I like this guy's story. I don't like him, but I like his story so much. I made a meme for him. Yeah, I made a meme for him. This is when everybody thinks you're the Messiah, but you know you're not. Okay? Yeah, if you, if you don't know what a meme is, this, this is a bad example of a meme, right? Um, so this guy became the hope. This guy became the hope of a whole nation of people. Defeat the enemy, establish Jewish kingdom, cleanse the temple. Now, let's go back. I'm just going to quickly uh, shuttle back to this slide. Yeah, okay. So we have the timeline, right? Judah Maccabee. Then there was Herod the Great. I'm going to talk about Herod the Great in a moment. But after Herod the Great is Jesus. But this is the Herod of, of Matthew. Of Matthew, the one who killed all the baby boys, that's Herod the Great. Then Jesus. But of course, for those who don't accept Jesus as their Messiah, they are still looking, ma. So after that, there was more. There was a guy called Menachem ben Judas. And then very quickly after him, there was Simon bar Giora. And then there was another guy called Simon bar Kokhba. And bar Kokhba was the biggest uh, um, rebellion of this tree. And, and every one of them, when they fight against their foreign, uh, their foreign masters, so to speak, they lost. They lost. They tried to defeat the enemy. They tried to cleanse the temple. They tried to establish Jewish rule. Every time Macham going to win, they lost. So you know what? Waiting for Messiah, waiting for Messiah, waiting for Messiah. All these fellas, false dawn after false dawn after false dawn. You would almost be, be forgiven now when you read the, the pages of your New Testament why, number one, Jesus was so reluctant. Every time someone said, ha, you're the Messiah, Jesus said, don't go and tell anybody. You know why? Because he didn't want everybody going crazy over him, put red carpet and start like, you know, uh, uh, treating him like a celebrity because that's what they treated all these other guys like. And Jesus didn't want that because he was the real Messiah. He didn't want that. But I tell you this thing. Okay, let me, let me jump now to Herod. Uh, this is Herod the Great. They call him Herod the Great. What did he do? He defeated the enemy. What enemy? Remember the Parthians? I showed you the slide just now, the Parthians coming in from the east. Okay, imagine, right? 
you have survived all of these years. You have come back from Babylon. You have, su- you have survived like how many hundred years already? And suddenly there is a new enemy from the east coming. Hey, you trauma or not? I will also trauma, you know, like, yo, please, la, don't say enemy from the east. It, it, it brings up a lot of bad memories for the people of God. Enemy from the east, Parthians coming. Herod was the guy who defeated them so that they could not enter into Jerusalem. And then he established a Jewish kingdom. Granted, his Jewish kingdom was under the Roman rule at the time, right? So it's kind of like a subset of their government. But it was under that rule. And, and, but, 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 but it was a Jewish kingdom, right? For all intents and purposes, the Jewish people had a Jewish king. And then here's the killer man. He built the temple, Wow, remember, remember 2 Samuel chapter 7, Messiah will what? Build the temple. This is not the first temple, that was Solomon. This is not the second temple, that was Ezra and Nehemiah time. This is the third temple, break down, build back up again. So everyone's looking at Herod going like, he the man, he the man, he's Messiah, right? So, friends, I ask you, does that look like Messiah? Does this look like Messiah? The Simon Bargiora, Simon Bar Kokhba, do all these guys look like Messiah? It did for quite some a lot of people. It looked like Messiah. So how do we train our eyes so that we know? So that we know how to see Messiah. So that we know how to recognize Messiah when we see him, when he shows up. You know, one of my I want to give you a little illustration because at this point, I think we need to remember that the people of God at this time were waiting for the good old days. And every time they say Messiah, they are thinking of first a man Messiah, a David Messiah, right? Everyone says David, ma, David, 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 ma, right? So what are they waiting for? King David to rule again. What they really want is all the, everything to look like it did back in the days when King David reigned. So you got wealth, you got a noble king, you, he, he fights against all the foreign invaders or foreign armies and whack all of them, establish Jewish rule, have a temple, built a temple, which was what they were all fixated about, right? Really must build the temple, consecrate the temple, consecrate the altar. That's what Messiah looks like. They wanted the good old days to come back. Friends, 2020 friends, don't you want the good old days to come back? I do. On many days, I think, God, can't you give us back the good old days? And we could fill a hall, we can go out and have, and, and have our cell, cell night can be normal, not over Zoom, you know, like so many ways in which the good old days seem to have just slipped out of our hands. And it's like, you want to recover it, it's so hard. And sometimes we think, oh, if we can just make it kind of look like the good old days, it can maybe we can trick the universe into giving us back the rest of the package of the good old days, okay? So that's what it looked like. Herod was like that. He established Jewish kingdom. It kind of looks like the good old days, but it's not. Judah Maccabee. Wow, 100 years of Hasmonean kingdom. His, his, his brothers and his sons continued that, that dynasty. We got 100 years of Jewish rule. It looks like the good old days. It looks like David. But it's not. And this is my little illustration. I'm a big football fan and a huge World Cup fan. And in 1990, West Germany uh, 
wore this baju, okay? This white shirt was their home shirt with the, with the black, yellow, the German flag thing sneaking up and down. And the green one was their away baju when there was a kick clash, you know? So, so that was their baju. They won the World Cup that year. Adidas made their shirts. So the German Federation and Adidas have very fond memories of the 1990 World Cup. They look back on 1990 the way Israel looked back on King David and, 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 and Solomon era. That was the good old days. So in the 2018 World Cup, Adidas and the German Football Federation got together again and said, let's do a retrospective jersey to look like our 1990 football kits. So they did this one on the right-hand side, right? Same, same, same idea with the pattern going up and down, you know, on the left, only thing, they, they kept it monochromatic, small differences to keep it modern, you know? The green shirt had similar type of patterns going on on it, right? Why? Because when they see this German team of 2018, it will remind them of Lothar Matthäus and Jürgen Klinsmann and Andreas Bremer and all those legends from the 1990 World Cup, right? They thought they could, right? Or, or actually, everybody does it, lah, but it's just an illustration, okay? You think, you would think when you see the German team from 2018 that all these guys remind you of their legendary 1990 side. Unfortunately, they didn't make it out of the group stage. It was a horrible World Cup for Germany. So all your outside, your baju, your veneer, all your external stylings can look like the good old days. It doesn't mean the good old days have come back. So if the good old days are not coming back, not yet, will they ever come back? That's the question we are thinking. And friends, I know you're at home, and it's not just church. It would be very myopic for me to use only church illustrations, like filling up a hall and doing sell like normal. You're looking at your businesses, and you're looking at your portfolio, maybe completely decimated. You're looking at your property, which you cannot pay off. You're looking at your rent. You're looking at your, at your payroll. You're looking at your, at your P&L. You're looking at your whatever it may be. You're looking at it, and you're thinking, God... Just one year ago, 24, 12 months ago, we were going so strong. Can the good old days come back, Lord? And I know that's the cry of your heart. If you are studying and, and your whole studies is completely disrupted, not just uni side, your family's finances side also, you're thinking, God, everything was lined up. Can the good old days come back? Please, God, I know that's your prayer. In, on many days, if I must be honest, it is also my prayer. But you know what's God's answer to every single one of us when we ask this question? Will we ever return to the good old days? His answer is this. Remember not the former things, consider the thi nor consider the things of the old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Why? Because the Lord says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Behold means stop, apprehend yourself and look. Not just behold. Stop, look, behold. I, God Almighty, who gave you Messiah, I am doing a new thing. I don't want to bring back the good old days, says the Lord. 
to Israel, at least he's saying to them, why are you looking for David and Solomon again? Behold, I am doing a new thing. I'm giving you Jesus, the Messiah himself. So you're looking back to the glory days from yesteryear, but I want to take you to a new level and open up a new promise that will be even better than the good old days. My friends, if you take your eyes off the good old days, you can behold the new thing. But friends, you can't behold the new thing if your eyes are looking backwards. You can't behold the new thing if you are constantly pining for the past. If you had a breakup this year and you're still pining for the past, behold, God is doing a new thing. If you had a, if you had a friendship that had to be broken for whatever reason and, and for maybe you were betrayed, for maybe it's just not the right time to reconcile, Behold, God is doing a new thing. If you've had to close down your business, and it's been tough, man, it's been tough. Behold, my friend, God is doing a new thing. If your body is wasting away because of some sickness and Gosh, don't we have some sicknesses, right? Behold, God is doing a new thing. Friends, I know we're all waiting. We're all waiting for the good old days to come back. But no, no. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Says Isaiah 43. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Essentially, what God is saying is that, show me your terrain. No, show me. Show me your terrain. That's Pastor Fergus' tone. I'm going to try a gentler, more loving tone. My son, my daughter, I know your terrain. I've seen 2020. It's been a rough, rough terrain. Ground is hard. It's been dry all year. There's been very little rainfall. And everything you put your hand to has not yielded crop. You don't even know if the seeds are alive under the soil. But I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers. Somebody say rivers in the desert. Somebody say, somebody stretch your hands out and type out rivers in the desert. Somebody do that. Do that, man. Do that as an extension of your face. Say rivers of in the desert in my life. Rivers of in the desert of my, of my workplace. Rivers in the desert of my family. Rivers in the desert of my sickness. Behold, God is doing a new thing. And He will, He will. Remember, remember what He says in Habakkuk 2 verse 3. It is hastening to the end. I know for you and I, it feels like a delay. I know for you and I, it feels like it's waiting so long. But God says, no, it's not lying down, having a, having a nap. It is hastening to the end. Wait for it. 
Wait for it, says Malachi 3 verse 1. Wait for it. Behold, God is doing a new thing. So my friends, we are ending a year and Christmas is coming. And for a generation of people of God in the Holy Land, one generation became two, became ten. And it became 400 years of waiting. And for us today, we've got some waiting more to go. Is it painful to wait? Yes. Is it anxious for us? Do you feel anxious? I understand. It's anxious for me too. We're all waiting. But my word over you on this day as we approach Christmas is upon the arrival of Christmas, the Saviour has come. And when the Saviour has come, behold, He is doing a new thing. And my word over you, my prayer over you, if I may call it my prophesying over you on this day, is that 2021 will be the beholding of a new thing coming for you and it will not be long now. It will not be long now. The Lord will not wait. He is hastening to the end. So friends, if you want prayer right now, I want to encourage you to answer the call uh, um, and go for the online altar call and be prayed for. Be prayed for right now for the rest of us. And I really want to encourage you to go for the online altar call, but for the rest of us, just lift up our hands and pray. I want to lead us to pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, as we leave behind this, this really, really hard year and walk towards the end of the year, towards Christmas, and everyone's saying there is hope, there is hope, and I want to believe there is hope. I really want to believe there is hope. God, is there hope? You said in your word, Isaiah 43, don't look to the past. Every one of us right now, in affirmation, repeat after me, yes, Lord, say yes, Lord. I will not look to the past. I will not wait for the good old days. I'm taking my eyes off the good old days. I'm putting my eyes on Jesus. Jesus says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. I'm waiting for it. Lord God, I am waiting for it. I'm waiting for that new thing. 2021, bring it on. I'm waiting for a new thing. Father, I thank you for every single one of my friends and church family over the internet line right now holding your hands open. Behold, my word over you. God will renew. God will bring about such a renewal over your life. I, and let us just praise God and thank Him right now. Worship. Friends, his promise stands. His promise still stands. I know for many of you, at the end of last year, you got a word that God is going to do something in your life. Your promise still stands. That's what I'm singing. He said, Fergus, at the end of last year, he said, Fergus, you will plant a church in Sungai Bulo. And until today, haven't entered the building. Your promise still stands. 
great is your faithfulness I know some of you God say come out from that workplace move into the next thing and you saw everything fall apart your promise still stands great is your faithfulness your faithfulness he will never fail you my friends if it seems slow wait for it if it seems slow wait for it Father, I thank you that every one of us has a hope we can cling to, a hope we can hold on to, a hope that is strong, a hope that is mighty. And this Christmas, we will celebrate. If ever there was a time for us to celebrate Christmas like we've never celebrated Christmas before, this Christmas sounds most like the first Christmas ever. Because this Christmas, we waded through so much hard ground to get the Saviour coming. And 400 years was a long time to wait for that first Christmas. Oh, how the angels showed up on the hillside. How the shepherds celebrated on that day. Finally, finally 400 years, your promise still stands. And after 2020, let's celebrate Christmas like nothing before. Let's celebrate Christmas because there is hope. Your promise still stands. So Father, I thank you. We are over. We're finished on today. In Jesus' name, I want to bless every single one of us watching today. May there be breakthrough in your life as the year ends and as the new year begins. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His countenance to face you and to give you shalom. And all of God's people shout aloud. Amen. Amen. Amen, church. Amen. Amen and amen. You can continue going for ministry. Otherwise, have a blessed weekend.